Hey guys, and welcome back to the RSVC. Today we are joined by Neve Donnelly, the co-founder and head of robotics at Akara Robotics. Neve, great to have you on. Yeah, great to be here. Right, firstly, I want to ask you about um, how you got into robotics. Yeah, I guess it was kind of a long journey into robotics. So as a kid, I was always really interested in making things. And um, my dad was an engineer, so he always used to do these kind of little electronics projects with me. And that kind of led me to study mechanical engineering in college, which I did like, but I found that I preferred kind of the software aspect. I loved that feeling of writing a piece of code and then being able to see the results straight away. So that's kind of I got into computer science after engineering and I was seeing all the kind of big tech companies coming over from the US setting up headquarters in Dublin and I really wanted to work for one of them so I got my first job at a company called Etsy and um, so they're a US-based kind of online shopping company um, and they're a really great company to work for it was kind of a startup vibe but they had just gone IPO so it's really exciting times and I guess while I was working there I was kind of starting to see what companies like them and other companies were doing with data and it really fascinating um, and I wanted to move my career more towards data science so I left my lovely cushy tech job at Etsy and I went back to college to get my master's in AI and machine learning which was probably a really great Great decision looking back now. And coming out of that, I got a job as a um, consultant for some of the biggest like banking and insurance companies. I figured out that the corporate kind of world wasn't really a fit for me. So I had seen what a research group in Trinity College were doing with robotics um, and they were doing something really fascinating. So they were building robots from scratch to be deployed in nursing homes and retirement communities. So they built, um, they were building a robot called Steve so I joined them as they were a research group and then we kind of spun out from Trinity College to build a company called Akara. Obviously one of the appeals of setting up a, a tech company and specifically a, a software company is the ability to scale it quite quickly. Uh, with robotics that's not the case because it's hardware. Um, did you find that in any way daunting going into this industry that potentially scaling it was going to be a lot more labor and capital intensive? Yeah, it's definitely something that I think all robotics companies suffer and find it hard to raise because you need a lot of capital upfront to even just getting started. So like building your first robot, especially if you're building it from scratch, you know, one sensor could be 2000 grand. So even just starting up is really difficult and it is daunting um, but I think that's changing a little bit now like all these sensors are becoming more low cost and um, robotics is becoming more common and this idea of robotics as a service so you know not selling the hardware to um, in our case the hospital and more selling it as a service because then you have the opportunity to actually add on um, software additions so with our robots yes we build UV disinfection robots but it's not just the manual cleaning that we do and um, it's the data we collect around cleaning we've built digital tools that allow the hospitals to have better oversight over their cleaning um, and be able to communicate better um, and then we have a data platform so that infection control can actually look back on the data that the robots been collecting and have better oversight so 
it is daunting, but there are ways that you can mitigate against the risks of being essentially a hardware company. And, you know, more more VCs now are open to robotics. I remember when we, when we started out as a research group talking to any um, robotics startups, they would say, don't call yourselves a robotics company, just call yourself, you know, a cleaning company or, a, you know, clean tech or, or that other area, avoid the word robotics. Whereas now it's just becoming more popular. It's really kind of taken off in the US. You're seeing, I think just a couple of months ago, a robotics company got a series A of 70 million. You know, you're seeing large rounds. And I think a lot of VCs are starting to see that, you know, it's worth the risk. Yeah, that leads uh, nicely onto my next question because um, obviously with all the hype around AI, with that potentially being the next major platform shift, do you think robotics could be the next major shift in hardware similar to AI? Could we all have exposure to robotics uh, from some perspective, whether that be a consumer or a business point of view? Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really good point. So even it's funny because I, I feel like I've had a bit of insight into that kind of AI boom. So having done my master's in machine learning and worked with these models a couple of years ago, you can see when you're in that space they have the potential to really change the future and change how people work. Um, and I saw that with AI and these uh, machine learning models. And now I'm seeing it with robotics because while it's great that we can use um, these models to replace, you know, digital workflows that we're doing, imagine we can replace manual tasks that people really hate. So, you know, there's this thing called the three Ds of robotics. So the dull, dirty and dangerous work that people don't want to do and shouldn't have to do. So and that's where robotics are, you know, really powerful. And you can see now that even robotics are starting to use these AI algorithms, so these generative learning algorithms to be able to do day-to-day -day tasks. So there's the there's this project by the Toyota Research Institute that are actually um, having people control robots to, you know, do household goods like or household tasks like cooking um, and then having the robot learn through the person doing it and be able to do it themselves. So I'm really excited for the idea of a, a robot that can cook. <laughs> it's not something I love. So I've been following that one closely. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to see a shift towards um, towards people seeing everyday robots. And I think in five years, you know, it will be really common that you're in a restaurant and a robot will bring you your food or you're in a hospital and you'll see a robot moving past. And um, there's one area that's really a hot topic now, um, and it's called humanoid robots. So it's kind of the robots like Elon Musk built that look like a person. Um, and yeah, no one really knows exactly what they'll do yet. A lot of these companies are just building them to see kind of, you know, where their uses might be. Um, but yeah, it's very it's very controversial in the robotics community because some people think that you should build the environment to fit the robot a little bit more rather than just building a replica of a human. You know, we, we can move past that. But yeah, it's an interesting one too. So on that, what is the utopian view for robotics? Like, like how can it help society progress in the best? What What's the most optimistic, positive um perspective you could take on the future of robotics and where it can take society to? So like, where I think it's needed the most is in healthcare. And healthcare has traditionally been a area that has been 
in some ways neglected and, and still in the past in terms of technology. I mean, they still use pagers in hospitals. The first time I saw a pager in my life was last year in the hospitals. So, you know, they are have been neglected a little bit. And I think, um, you know, with the problems we're seeing now with the work for shortages. So the WHO predict that by 2030, we'll have a 15 million healthcare worker shortage. And the US just had the biggest healthcare strike they've had in history. It's a really big problem. And we've seen from the pandemic that they're not prepared enough to face the new challenges that are coming. So I think where robotics is going to take off is in healthcare. And um, I know in, in a VC sense, it's somewhere that some VCs avoid and um, but i think that might change too because it is area that's really ripe for disruption and then um what is the what's the dystopian view of robotics like what you mentioned earlier about humanoid robots um the potential of that collaborating with ai can be quite scary do you think robotics needs to be regulated going forward yeah 100 percent. i think that i'm definitely someone that i understand that sometimes regulation can hamper innovation but I think in cases where where you know they could use these types of robots in war or to harm people you know very efficiently is it terrifies me and um, so there's a actually a memorandum that a lot of robotics companies have signed saying that we will never allow our robots be sold for military applications and that it's great, but it's it's up it right now. It shouldn't be up to the companies that are making that decision. It should be up to lawmakers. And um, so I would love to see, um, you know, more progressive action being taken to prevent that happening. We're, we've already seen it with drones. And once it's being used, it's really hard to go back on. Um, so it is kind of mainly in kind of that military area is where I would have the most worry. And then also kind of being um, some companies being a little bit reckless. So not that it's reckless, but with the kind of autonomous car rollout in San Francisco, I felt like they were almost using San Francisco as a test bed for their autonomous cars. So, you know, having safety really at the top priority, I think is really important. And then again, with the um, the language models that are being used, like ChatGBT, um, so they're starting to use that to train, as I said, train robots. But even Sam Altman kind of said, brought up in a talk about the reliability of these algorithms. So they want to improve that because I think everyone knows ChatGPT can be horribly wrong. Um, and that's fine if you're asking ChatGPT to improve your code or make a suggestion on something. It's not fine when it does something wrong in a physical sense employed on a robot. So I, I definitely think there is a need to be more proactive in terms of creating regulations. And who's going to be the body that leads the way in regulation? Will it be the EU? Will it be America? Which, uh, which institutions will play the biggest part? I think it will be the EU, <laughs> definitely. Um, but then there is that kind of sense where it is unfair because you know, if you have a startup building something in the EU and they are met with all these regulations and you have them competing for funding with a startup in the US and they're able to, you know, make progression a lot faster, it, it 
it sets this unfairness and um, also it sets an unfairness for the la larger corporations so the ones that have the resources to be able to overcome these regulations and to be able to move around them it protects them a little bit more so i do think there should be a balance and yeah i, I hope that it it happens sooner rather than later Okay, I want to ask you about your experience with fundraising so far. What's the current investment landscape like for robotics in Ireland? Um, yeah, it's, you know, there isn't that many robotics companies. I know there's um, Inverse Robotics, so the inspection robotics company, um, and that's actually becoming a really big area for robotics, are inspection robots. They're really good at that. They can get to places that humans can't. I know that they've recently raised a round. I think BVP were a yes, part of that are. round as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's really great to see that there's more of an openness now in Ireland as well. And, you know, there's Irish VCs that are understanding that robotics is the next, um, I think I always say it is the next AI boom. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's getting better definitely than it was um, a couple of years ago. Cool. And uh, what's your experience been like fundraising outside of Ireland? Do you find is there... Uh, one particular geography that's more pro-robotics. I know you mentioned the US mm -hmm. here, that uh, one company there did a, a major $70 million Series A raise. Mm -hmm. it, would you see that as the, the main hub at the moment for robotics? Yeah, for sure. I definitely think the US have, have really, you know, push forward in that. I was at TechCrunch in September and for the first time they had a robotic stage and you now have VCs that are setting up arms specifically to invest just in robotics and um, that's mostly in, in the US. Um, but I think Europe is catching up a bit and um, particularly in you know Germany and Switzerland they do invest quite heavily in robotics um, and now you know following close behind the UK and Ireland as well is, is picking up in that area. So so while I do think they're ahead of the curve a little bit, um, I guess traditionally the EU have been a little more conservative in investing, um, but they're definitely picking up steam. In terms of your own plans for Akara Robotics, is the grand vision to turn into a, a global company? Is the US your, your next kind of market you're hoping to break into? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, our beachhead so far has been Ireland and the UK. Um, a lot of that is to do with when you're managing your first deployments and um, your geography is important. You need to make sure that you're on call and able to get to a particular site um, within a certain amount of time. So while that has been our um, starting point, um, also Ireland hospitals and the UK hospitals wouldn't be in, in some cases as advanced in terms of technology as the US. So we kind of wanted to get it right here so that when we move towards the US, we're ready to hit the ground running. Um, but essentially that would be definitely a target market for us along with um, mainland Europe. Nice. And what are the quick fixes that robotics can have uh, within healthcare? Like what, obviously you mentioned long-term how um, robotics can potentially be completely revolutionary for healthcare and society as a whole, but in terms of right now, what do you think robotics could do tomorrow to, to change healthcare? I think it's a lot of it is to do with the staffing. So they're just so overwhelmed and that it can be really difficult for, you know, you to go in and say, you can start using this robot now and it will give you more time. Sometimes they might think, 
you know, they're almost too overwhelmed to do that. But if you make it really easy to use, that can overcome some of the hurdles. So something like our UV robot is something they can use starting from now. And I think that although it's hard to get the first customer because they always want an example site. So, you you know, it's really hard to get your first champions of the technology. But once you do that, the other hospitals can have a clear example of it working and, you know, pick it up much easier. Healthcare has traditionally been quite a bureaucratic, slow moving type um, sector, especially within Ireland because it's public sector. What's the experience been like trying to sell into them when, um, they're not necessarily always incentivized to operate in the most efficient capacity. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a tough one. I feel like we picked um, the intersection of two really difficult areas, like hardware <laughs> and healthcare. Um, but I think it's one of it's it's one of the most important ones, and there's a lot of areas to like this. It's, it's ripe for disruption, really. But um, yeah, there's um, <clears throat> it has been difficult, like to get all the stakeholders together in a room even is really difficult to make a decision knowing who they are is really difficult and so one thing that we found really helpful particularly with the UK is joining the Digital Health London Accelerator so it's one of the most prestigious accelerators uh, healthcare accelerators and they actually sign you up with what's called an NHS navigator so they help you kind of work your way around getting into the hospital and getting you in front of the right people, which has been really helpful. And that's, um, you know, been one of the keys to our success. Um, and then in the on the other side of things, you know, we've um, going through service providers is always a way that you can help get around the procurement process. So being able to apply for tenders with service providers and lean on them for the procurement side and allows you to focus on building the technology and getting it working is another way that we've tried to combat that. Great stuff. And hypothetically, if you guys were to go on and completely revolutionize healthcare, which sector would you most like to pick next as one to target? Oh, that's a really good question. Hmm. Yeah, so I am really fascinated with kind of the agriculture section. So that's really kind of taking off with robotics. It's, you know, we're moving more towards vertical farming and indoor farming and everything's kind of, you know, moving away from people doing things to machinery doing things autonomously. And we've actually been contacted by a number of agricultural companies because viruses are actually a huge problem for plants as well. So um, UV light is really is really good at disinfecting those air, um, plants. So I think I think agriculture is really going to take off in terms of robotics next. We've already seen warehousing is where I think the big jump has been in the past three to four years. We've seen there was a, a company called ClearPath Robotics. They just sold for, I think, between 500 and 600 million. So we're seeing now these big exits coming from companies, robotics companies and warehousing. And I think healthcare and agriculture will be next. Great stuff. Neve, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks so much for your time.